Ladies and gentlemen, it's my great pleasure to announce that the host union for Rugby World Cup 2011 is New Zealand. It's just such a special moment for the announcement to be made and for it to be New Zealand. It just took a little bit of time really to uh, to soak in, but it was really you know something quite special and something I'll never forget. The chairman of the New Zealand Rugby Union, Jock Hobbs, one of the men instrumental in gaining the World Cup for New Zealand. Since that day in Dublin two years ago, the NZRU, in partnership with the government, has set up Rugby World Cup 2011 and appointed former cricketer Martin Sneddon as its CEO. It's a far cry from five years ago when New Zealand lost the rights to co-host the World Cup with Australia after a failure to agree to all the terms and conditions, including the need for stadiums to be clean of advertising. But Mr Sneddon feels if it hadn't been for that debacle, New Zealand wouldn't be hosting the tournament this time. If you want to host international events, there is now a, a set of rules, if you like, that apply. And unless you're prepared to comply with those rules, you drop out of the running. I think in 2002 we thought, well, no, we know those are the, the rules that are on the table, but they're probably, if it comes to the crunch, there'll be a bit of compromise there. There wasn't, <laughs> and I think we all learnt a pretty good lesson out of that so that some of the issues like clean grounds that cause such a problem are not causing a problem so much now. You know, we've still got the odd issue, but very little. He says having the government on board has also been essential. When it comes to needing government assistance to get through certain legislation like the Major Events Management Bill, which uh, has caused the odd bit of controversy in New Zealand, but which is just such an essential part of holding a major event. The government and the whole political uh, spectrum has said, yes, we recognise that, and we will make sure that a good piece of legislation is put in place very quickly. The result of that is that that's well down the track to happening. It's a piece of legislation that, that the Rugby World Cup Limited, the IRB, are, are very happy with, and it's a, it's a piece of legislation that... We've been able to, I think, find a balance between complying with what Rugby World Cup Limited want and meeting the, the needs of, of society where you know we have a fairly libertarian streak about us in New Zealand and, and I don't think this has gone overboard by any means. The cost of the tournament is around $310 million and a loss of around $30 million is planned for. The only income for the New Zealand Union is from ticket revenue. The government, however, which initially put in $20 million, expects a bigger payout. Trevor Mallard, who is the Rugby World Cup 2011 Minister, as well as the Minister for Economic Development, is hoping the tournament will attract around 70,000 international visitors and create an economic benefit of around $500 million. Mr Mallard appreciates not everyone is keen on public money going into a rugby tournament. The New Zealand Rugby Union is going to make no money at all uh, out of hosting Rugby World Cup. In fact, it's likely to cost it uh, quite a lot uh, to do it. 
and what we get as taxpayers is, a, is quite a good return. We might end up getting twice as much in tax as the loss that we make up uh, in the company, and, and, and that, would, that would be good. But we also get an event which causes people to focus on New Zealand. It says, you know, these people can run something well, they have a beautiful country, uh, they're very good hosts, and we are very good hosts. Um, so if we can build the high end of our tourism market, because that's what I'm interested in, I'm, I'm frankly not interested in a whole pile of people spending $20 a day, I want the high end because that's where the jobs are, that's where the high paying jobs are for New Zealanders. Uh, and if we can build that up, then we'll be a richer country going forward. So if people can think of it as an economic development event rather than a sporting event. So should New Zealand be looking forward to hosting other international sporting events, or as Mr Mallard sees it, more economic development events? Beyond the Rugby World Cup, are they a realistic option? In recent years, the America's Cups and major world mountain biking and triathlon events have been held here. But what about the Commonwealth Games? It's been 17 years since New Zealand last hosted them, and it's an event that has brought many memorable moments. It gives me the very greatest pleasure to declare the 10th British Commonwealth Games open. There's a fall down towards the back, and one of the kids has gone on. It's John Walker. John Walker has fallen over, and Pat Scammell has fallen over. This is a tragedy. This is a tragedy. Anderson's gone down that side. He's on that side. He's done it. Gary Anderson's done it. Gary Anderson won the bike race. Gary Anderson won three gold medals. Sir Ron Scott was the chairman of the organising committee for the 1974 Christchurch Commonwealth Games. In 2004, he produced a feasibility report for Sport and Recreation New Zealand, or SPARC, and has serious doubts about whether New Zealand should or could host the Games again. Sir Ron says the Commonwealth Games Federation is now trying to run itself like the International Olympic Committee, where it can take control of the brand marks and expect a share of the revenue, which he says a number of smaller countries would not be able to provide. He says much has changed since Auckland hosted the Games in 1990. The huge increase in the uh, number of sports, the number of countries has gone up from 50 to into the 70s. The number of athletes has, has virtually doubled. But the, the, the biggest impact has been on the cost from Auckland, about $100 million, to um, Manchester, only 12 years later, $832 million. Melbourne cost in, in, in 2006, it looks as if the Melbourne Games cost at least $1.2 billion. And a, a huge percentage of that, of that cost was borne by the public sector, 60%, which in Melbourne's case was about $800 million. And perhaps the most worrying thing is the value of doing all of that in subsequent years. And the basis why I 
couldn't possibly recommend to go forward is that there's no precedent of a, of a government picking up that sort of money in this country. And, and, and to be quite frank, in my view, nor should it. The sports minister, Trevor Mallard, has a similar view. He believes New Zealand could host a Commonwealth Games, but has doubts about the benefits of doing it. The Commonwealth Games are not quite as important as they used to be. They're not taken quite as seriously by Commonwealth athletes as they used to be. They're far too often used as sort of training events for world championships rather than a serious sort of pinnacle type event. And so a debate has to happen in New Zealand around that. You know, the economics of running Commonwealth Games are nothing like, there's nothing like the television audience that there would be for a Rugby World Cup, for example. And so we've got to work through whether we want to put in the very large amount of money that would be necessary for that, because what they found in Australia was, unlike the Olympics, there just weren't the international visitors came for the Commonwealth Games uh, that one would have thought would go. The General Secretary of the New Zealand Olympic Committee is Barry Maester. He says at his very first Commonwealth Games Federation meeting six years ago, he voiced concerns about whether New Zealand could ever host the Games again. I mentioned that I thought it might be beyond New Zealand. Well, that caused quite a reaction. People said, hey, the Commonwealth, 70 countries. If it's beyond New Zealand, which I think is probably about the, within the top 10 in terms of size, because there's an awful lot of small countries in the Commonwealth, people are saying, hey, this is, this is terrible. If New Zealand is saying it can't contemplate it, we're going to be reduced to a very small number of countries that are going to circulate these games. Um, and my comment was made without any basis of research or knowledge, just a gut feeling that what I was seeing in the Games was an escalation in terms of size and cost and expenditure, and thinking that New Zealand hasn't got an appetite for events like this, which now require a great deal of government investment. Barry Maester says his committee is currently undertaking a pre-feasibility study regarding the future hosting of the Commonwealth Games. Mr Maester says he continues to hope that it will be hosted here again, but he concedes if that's to happen, the Games would have to take a huge step back from the type of event into which it's developed. What we have to do is run a niche games. We have to do something like if we take the stadium at QE2 for 74 and floss it up a bit so that it's a 20,000, 25,000 seat stadium. We do not need to have an MCG. We do not need to emulate big country plans. We've got to do what New Zealand can do and use existing facilities, look at portable facilities. We've got to be smart and not try and copy. And I'd like to think that the Commonwealth as an entity would see that a return to that sort of games is appropriate. If it doesn't, if we continue on the escalation of always trying to out better and getting bigger and bolder and more adventurous, then count ourselves out of it. So where does New Zealand's future lie when it comes to holding major sporting events? In 2010, the World Rowing Championships will be held at Lake Karapiro in the Waikato for the second time. New Zealand on the inside have got half a boat length on the rest of the field. Still looking good. West Germany in the centre looking very strong too. Australia and East Germany together for third. West Germany setting out after New Zealand. 300 to go. New Zealand on the inside. The cry of black. New Zealand heading for home. Arthur Clapp of Sports Impact was involved in the bid for the 2010 Rowing World Championships. He says one of the main reasons it was won was because of the success of the 1978 World Championships, which many of the current international rowing fraternity still remember. Mr Clapp's company has organised 10 major international sports events, including triathlon, mountain biking and moto enduro. There are also plans for the Winter Games in 2009 and the BMX World Championships two years later. 
He says New Zealand is best suited to events with a somewhat more modest budget. We're ideally suited to events that are in the sort of the two to eight million dollar budget range. Once they start going outside, that becomes very difficult to resource. And I think we're also best suited to those events that don't require major capital infrastructure. For example, if you look at swimming or athletics, quite often you not only need to have a high quality track with decent spectator capacity, but you also need all the support areas, you know, a second track or a warm-up pool, and it's those areas that become the big killers for New Zealand. However, Arthur Clapp says attracting events here is difficult for two reasons. Most sports are based in the Northern Hemisphere, and in particular in Europe, so to try and get the administrators to and the supporters, the, the financial supporters of the competitors to bring all their resources to New Zealand is difficult. And then, of course, once we do get them here, we have such a small commercial environment to actually find the funding to make it viable makes it really difficult. And we have to go that extra mile just to prove that, that we've got everything in place. But I'm a strong believer that the best events combine three features. One is the sport itself, and that has to be organised extremely well. Two is the culture, and three is the community. And if you can get the culture and the community and the sport all at the highest level and all working together, then you end up with a, an event that is appealing for the Europeans and the Americans, but is also one of the most memorable ones. New Zealand has also hosted the world's most popular game, football, albeit on a slightly smaller scale. In 1999, the FIFA Under-17 Men's World Football Championship was held here, and next year the women's equivalent will be held in Auckland, Hamilton, Wellington and Christchurch. FIFA sees this as a great way of developing the game globally, and they pay for it, as much as $20 million. New Zealand football's CEO Graham Seater says FIFA treats all World Cups the same, and they expect big crowds, which will be a challenge in itself. Um, there's no question about that, and we need to do a very good job of marketing the tournament and selling to people in New Zealand the opportunity to watch high-class international footballers, women under 17, and, and we realise that that's a big opportunity, but it will be a challenge. In terms of uh, FIFA's view, as I mentioned, they are very happy that a tournament such as this can assist the development of the game, and they are making a huge investment in New Zealand in the build-up to the World Cup to assist us in lifting the profile of football, in particular women's football. It'll be a 16-team tournament, and Mr Sita admits that's the limit, which means it's smaller than many other events which now consist of either 24 or 32 teams. Graham Sita says to host a 24-team tournament, New Zealand would have to have six suitable stadiums in large cities. Typically a country would have maybe seven or perhaps eight cities and stadiums involved. And for New Zealand, with a population of four million people, to get to the stage of six to eight stadiums and six to eight cities really does put us in quite small centres. Also, um, FIFA pay for all the travel and all the accommodation of all the visiting teams. So 15 teams will be travelling to New Zealand and each of 21 players and eight officials, plus a FIFA party which I'm sure will number more than 100. It will not be insignificant. So the demand for hotels, and the participants always stay in the in top-quality hotels, so just the requirements from accommodation and venue uh, point of view uh, become quite demanding for a 2014 tournament. The whole issue of stadiums is probably the most crucial one for sport in New Zealand. 
Rugby dominates the venues with many centres now forcing the likes of cricket out to smaller secondary grounds. Auckland, of course, went through the debate about whether to build a new stadium or redevelop Eden Park for the 2011 World Cup, and after much controversy, went for the latter. Sir Ron Scott says the decision about whether money is spent on a stadium should involve looking beyond the first capital expenditure and needs to assess the viability of the venue to sustain itself without calling on the taxpayer. If New Zealand and Auckland could have combined to have built something quite different, then there could have been value long-term beyond the World Cup. For example, you can now get an approved IAAF track to fit around a rugby field. So that means that uh, subsequent to 2011, it might have been possible for in this new stadium to have in, at some stage put down a running track, which may possibly have been sufficient to attract uh, World Athletic Championships uh, to, to New Zealand. I think it's a pity what's happened up there because New Zealand needs Auckland to have a 65,000-seat stadium. Whether it's for rugby or for other sports is irrelevant. And I think that that would have produced returns for New Zealand longer term that I would think that the taxpayers would have seen the sense of that. Eden Park won't be around, hopefully, if New Zealand was to ever bid for the World Cup again. And bid again it might, because hosting one major competition means New Zealand is in a better place to bid for another. Rugby World Cup 2011 Chief Executive Martin Sneddon says through his experience with cricket and now with rugby, he believes there are enough people in New Zealand with the skills and knowledge to work on future major sporting events. Mr Sneddon says there is a project getting underway run through the Ministry of Economic Development called the Leverage and Legacy Project. What it's focused on doing is making sure that in a planned way that there is a significant legacy left by this event afterwards. And one of the aspects of that legacy that we've identified as being achievable and necessary is that you develop a talent pool of people through your country that have the ability and the experience of major events and successful major events. And tied in with that is a very deliberate um, policy of capturing the way in which you go about it as the story unfolds. And that's now starting to get underway where the Ministry of Economic Development in conjunction with us are just making sure that, that we actually capture how this story, if you like, builds chapter by chapter so that, that when other sports, such as cricket, will face in the not-too-distant future, when they embark upon that, that, that you're not starting from scratch or reinventing the wheel. You're actually, you've got a very strong base and you've also got a pool of people who will be available who know what they're doing. The Minister of Economic Development, Trevor Mallard, says that pool wouldn't have been very deep if New Zealand hadn't got the World Cup. And while not too keen on the Commonwealth Games, the Minister believes New Zealand should be more active in trying to get other events here, and not just sporting events. Mr Mallard says there's an agency with a current budget of around $4 million that should probably be expanded. I think we should look to the Australians, especially the Melbournians, for what they do. They have a long-term approach to it. They work quite hard at identifying events maybe 15 or 20 years out that they might like to get. They work quite hard to get people onto the international boards that are going to be making the decision so that you know they'll, they'll promote someone up there so that the Australian link becomes clear. They work on the basis that they hardly ever get an event the first time they bid for it. So they, they have a very good bidding expertise, something that we're 
building up as well. And there's also quite a lot of practice that goes on for these major events in bidding for conventions. And that's sort of something which is quite parallel, that you know you get a whole pile of people who come to New Zealand for a particular purpose for a limited period of time. And the bidding for conventions and bidding for major sports events are something which are quite parallel. New Zealand's Olympic head Barry Maester has been critical for some time about the lack of a major event strategy and he wants to know what the country as a whole is trying to achieve. This exercise we're going through might determine that the big multi-sport events like the Commonwealth Games are beyond us. I mean, I'd be disappointed, but if the figures don't stack up, if it's, hey, this is too much of a cost and too much of a burden, or if overseas countries don't like the, the perhaps the minimalist view that we might have about staging them, then that's fine. Let's know where we stand. And then we don't need to waste time trying to bid for future Com Games. Let's just put all our energies behind Rugby World Cups and Rowing World Cups and Athletics World Championships because that's worthy in itself. And we'd support that fully. Event organiser Arthur Clapp is a busy man and one of the few New Zealanders with such strong experience in this sort of thing. He says for international events he has no problems attracting volunteers, but does find the talent pool for a higher level of expertise more shallow. However, he says that's changing. I have no doubt that we've got the top organisers to be able to do it. The difference between, say, an Oceania Championships or a National Championships and a World Championships is often not to do with the running of the sport itself, but it's all the ancillary aspects, the, the looking after the international officials, the financial component of it, the sponsorship, the television. And I think the more events that we can get and the more opportunity we have to cross-pollinate between different events, then we can build up a really strong base. But we've certainly got the skills in New Zealand to organise top events. So it appears New Zealand may have the people, but they may not be working on the same plan just yet. It also seems that New Zealand probably needs to sell itself as a niche market in perhaps adventure-type or single-sport events. Rugby World Cup 2011 CEO Martin Sneddon says no matter what the event, it has to be something that makes it uniquely New Zealand, using the landscape and culture. And even though the International Rugby Board has control over its own tournament, it still has to be a New Zealand event. You've got to be careful that what we produce in the end actually has a very strong New Zealand flavour uh, because that's the reason you, you bid for the hosting of it. You, you know, In this instance we're not bidding for it to make a, a profit that won't exist at the end of it or if it is it'll be a very tiny profit. It, it's doing it because you, you see the opportunity to involve New Zealand in something that, that's regarded pretty highly around the world and if you can make it work from a, a distinctly New Zealand point of view, then you contribute something to your own society that's pretty significant. So we are very focused on meeting the requirements that, and the obligations we owe to Rugby World Cup Limited. There's no two ways about that. In fact, you know, we will meet those requirements and we'll exceed a lot of them. But we're also being very careful, and that's another reason why the government is so keen to be involved, in making sure that what we deliver is goes far beyond a rugby tournament. It's actually a festival for New Zealand and we will ensure that uh, there are wide-ranging involvement, not just from sport but from culture and arts and, and just society generally and that's, uh, that's local communities are going to pay a very huge part, I think, in, in how this tournament uh, is delivered and how it looks and how it feels. It's likely that the 2011 Rugby World Cup is going to leave New Zealand well-placed to bid for other big events. 
maybe not to the size of a multi-sport events like the Commonwealth Games, but sizeable competitions that won't blow the budget. The rugby union chairman Jock Hobbs believes the World Cup will in the end benefit both rugby and the country. I hope that it stops the country because people just become so involved in the event not only just because of the rugby but because of the advantages and benefits that it will bring to the entire country. So rugby's profile, particularly through that period, should go through the roof and hopefully bring very good quality rugby that will be able to create a legacy that obviously will last beyond the final. And the All Blacks have won this match against the French by 29 points to 9. And the All Blacks become the first holders of the William Webb Ellis Trophy, the Rugby World Cup. They are supreme in world rugby 